Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Good morning. Good to see you guys. You guys have a good Thanksgiving? You guys looking extra plump and happy. Uh, you have three weeks to, to indulge and enjoy, and uh, New Year's resolutions will start flying in, right? Um, I do have one more announcement to share. Uh, I sent out an announcement that I, would, uh, I wasn't looking forward to share, and it, it's a news that uh, I'm hesitant. I'm, I'm very sad to share, but um, I, I feel like if I didn't share that now, I would forget, and that's not a, that's not a good thing. So um, uh, I don't know who knows in this room, but... Um, uh, some of you guys, I suspect, that may already be in the news, but um, a particular a member uh, of the church um, who has served us faithfully for the past almost six seasons has uh, decided to move on from uh, serving. And um, uh, it's, um, I, I'm so sad. I, I've had uh, many, many days and weeks to process and, and fight with God and, and cry to God and, and, and pout and, and kick and scream, but... Um, you know, God is, God is leading him to the next chapter of his uh, life's journey. And um, uh, it's something that he has pondered for the, I guess, for many years. I think we would do a, a, a yearly check-in and just kind of evaluating ministry and such. Um, but he, has, he had always had this uh, desire and, um, and passion to explore the marketplace and, and, and to, to serve God and uh, a gifted evangelist, gifted... Um, uh, just a lover of Jesus, and it has this incredible power to share Christ with people. Um, so, uh, Pastor Tavis, um, as of the end of this December, uh, will be stepping down as associate pastor uh, of Rooftop Church. I know it's a huge news, I know. Um, God, I'm just trusting you <laughs> that, that I decided to share this news uh, even today uh, before we get to the message portion. So, um, Hope you guys are able to just concentrate when we share the Word of God, <laughs> but um, I, you guys are more than welcome to approach him and talk with him and, and just allow him to share with you uh, the reasons for. I think for, as far as I'm concerned, he and his family are in just a discerning stage of, of what's coming next. Um, not serving at, at another church, but that's not sure. So really, it, it's not like he's, he's not leaving rooftop to, to take a position elsewhere. It's really... It's a journey of faith that he's uh, stepping into something unknown, and that he has no idea what that's going to look like. But uh, we have been incredibly blessed by his presence and, and ministry and, and his family, too. So uh, we are sad, but uh, I'm really excited, too, because finally, for the first time in the last three, four years, he gets to venture in, taking a step, huge step of faith. So talk to him. We love you, Pastor Tavis. And uh, next month, we'll get the chance to hear from him and do cool things to, to um, uh, express our gratitude and, and to honor him the proper way for his past year's services. All right, you guys uh, ready for the Word of God? No? Okay. It's all right. Um, you know, <clears throat> we learned this past week that, you know, the feeling gra- grateful, we learned last week that gratitude uh, doesn't stop at feeling Gratitude, the season of Thanksgiving is not just, wow, we feel thankful and we're so glad. And last Sunday, we differentiated the difference between feeling grateful and actually giving thanks. And we talked about giving thanks, or Thanksgiving is an outward declaration of inner conviction. So we dedicate one Sunday of the year that what we feel inside, the things that we are grateful for, oh, while we're so thankful for all that we have, all that God is doing and has done, and we got to shout what to express outwardly, and that's proper way of acknowledging the day of Thanksgiving. And today, we're going to take a step further. What else does gratitude lead to? What else does lead to besides giving thanks to God? And today, uh, we will learn that thanksgiving or giving thanks, gratitude, shall also lead to serving. So with that in mind, keep that in mind. So the title of my sermon today is Thanksgiving to Serving. And if you have your Bibles with you, would you meet me in the Gospel of Mark? 
chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 31. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. Mark 1, 29, 31. It's a short passage today, so let's read together in one voice. Shall we? I'm going to say, ready, go, and then we're going to read together in one voice. Ready? And immediately after they came, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her, and he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. All right, I guess the last verse was missing. So I'm going to read for you again. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling your sons and daughters to your house, God, where we gather together. We position our hearts. We position our lives in such that, God, we don't want to just hear your word, but, God, we want to be transformed, God. God, we want to be doers of your word. So, God, on this day, uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving, God, would you teach us, would you empower us to, to respond the way that you would want us to respond as we are feeling grateful for all that you are doing in our lives. So, God, God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to reside in this place and ministering uh, to us, God. May we minister with you and through you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So Mark tells us that Jesus had just cast out a demon uh, of a man in the synagogue in the city of Capernaum. So uh, it's, it's a synagogue, is a weekly gathering. So the disciples and Jesus had just uh, spent time teaching. They had spent time worshiping, reading the word of God. And in the place of worship in the synagogue, uh, Jesus does something that, that was not really accustomed for the people, the Jews back in the day. Jesus heals a man. So if you guys didn't know, Jesus was very controversial. Jesus was not only controversial, but also very well disliked by the Jews. You know why? Because Jesus kept breaking the law, breaking these traditions that the Jews had long adhered. So in the worship service, Jesus performs a supernatural miracle, a demoniac, right, a man possessed, uh, acting all strangely and, and disruptive, Jesus heals the man. And after the service, now the inner circle of Jesus, who are the inner circle of Jesus among the disciples? Well, little, little insight, guy. Jesus had, uh, our favorite's the right word, can we say? Uh, I, I'm not sure if Jesus liked them better, but, but, but to be fair, Jesus had an inner circle where I think he entrusted, let's say that, let's not say he loved them more, but he entrusted more to these four particular disciples. Two sets of brothers, John, James, Peter, and Andrew. So it's an inner circle, like Jesus' inner circle, homies of homies, right? They're rolling together, and what does Peter do? Peter, after the synagogue service is done, Jesus invites, uh, no, Peter invites Jesus, along with the three friends, G Peter brings Jesus into his house. And in his house, living together with Peter and his family were Peter's mother-in-law. And Peter's mother-in-law is just not living there. Peter's mother-in-law was also very ill. Luke, as we know, who was also a physician or doctor, records in his gospel as well in chapter 4 that Peter's mother-in-law suffered with a very high fever. And the scholars would con confirm it wasn't just a customary like seasonal sickness or flu or, or a cold, but most likely the scholars suspect that Peter's mother-in-law has suffered from either malaria or typhoid, meaning he was, she was on the verge of dying. If not, she was in a condition where uncertain, her life was uncertain, potentially dying, meaning any day that she would be facing the end of her life. And Peter, motivated, I'm pretty sure Peter motivated by 
what he had just seen. Peter was now part of Jesus' ministry. Peter is now going with Jesus to different places where Jesus is performing miracles. Jesus is healing people. And Peter just witnessed a demoniac, a man possessed by evil spirits, deemed as incurable. You guys know what incurable diseases are, right? Meaning there was no answer for in that time. No medicine would help. No prayers. No uh, 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 even like, uh, what is it? Sorcery. No, none of these powers would help. But Peter had just witnessed that this man, his rabbi, his teacher, performed a miracle. So what does Peter do? If you're Peter, probably, probably thinking, man, it's so cool that Jesus, this guy is all performing all these miracles, and I wonder if he can do something for my mother-in-law who's sick at home. So Peter decides, I don't know if this was on Jesus' ministry agenda, I don't know if Peter had already discussed among the 12 disciples that, hey, for next week, for ministry stuff, let's place Jesus in this city. Let's take Jesus to Jerusalem. And Jesus, hey, let's, let's cancel that appointment, but let's take Jesus over here. I don't know if this was well thought out. Knowing Peter, right? Peter was not that dude. Peter was like, what? I want to do it. So I'm pretty sure Peter, Peter, in the heat of the moment, spontaneously says, Jesus let me bring you home. So Peter decides to bring Jesus home for that night. Let me, let me stop right there, guys. What a crazy and novel concept to bring Jesus into our homes. What a novel concept to bring Jesus into our homes. For many of us, I think if we could be honest, I don't think we do this as much as we should. I don't think we think about this as much as we should. As Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we worship him on Sundays, we praise him, we honor him, we talk about him, we study him in Bible studies. But how many of us are really proactive in inviting Jesus into every part, every crevice of our home? Where, how, we are, how active are we inviting Jesus to every little minute issue that we encounter day to day? How many of us truly do this? How many of us have invited him into our hearts, but not really into our house? We have invited Jesus into our hearts, but have we invited Jesus into our workplaces? We have invited Jesus into our hearts, but have we invited Jesus into our hobbies the activities that we often engage in. All I'm saying is how present is Jesus in our lives? He's been your closest best friend. He's been your closest best friend, but also a closet friend. You bring Jesus home. You lock him in. You keep him well hidden. You know, as a child, we used to sing um, in Sunday school, uh, if I had a, a white little box, we put Jesus in. And we take him out and mum, mum, mum. And we put, him, we put him back in Jesus. I mean, we used, to think, we used to sing some weird songs, right? And, you know, back in the day, we sing it. We do body motions. But we never really ask as kids, right? And years later, like, it traumatizes us. That was wrong theology. If we bring Jesus, why do we ever put him in the box? And keep him safe. Make sure that Jesus does not wear off, right? We got to keep him shiny, new. And Jesus, I, I look at him and I adore him. So pretty, so beautiful, so majestic. But man, whew, we hide him away. It's a silly song. It makes no sense. But I think somehow, prophetically, that, make, that song makes sense. Because we don't really involve Jesus in our day-to-day. -day. Jesus is someone that to be worshipped, but Jesus is not necessarily someone to be invited and to be joining us in the day-to-day -day affairs of our lives. Anyway, Peter brings Jesus 
home. And before I move on to the next point, can I encourage you? Can I submit to you? Can we bring Jesus into our homes this coming week? Can we make sure that Jesus is invited to everything that we attend to throughout the week? Amen? Amen. I, amen. <laughs> um, now, remember, uh, G, uh, Peter has no idea what would happen. Peter is also taking a step of faith here. Peter has no idea what would happen if Jesus were to be brought home to the house. But I, I love that about Peter. Peter is kind of like, when he sees something, like, he's the guy that thinks, why not? Why not? Peter is the guy, when he saw Jesus, right, uh, walking on water far away, from, from far away on the sea, on the lake, right, and the, all of the disciples are uh, 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 sleeping, Jesus sees, uh, Peter sees Jesus walking on water. Peter simply raises his hand and says, Jesus, I want to do that. That looks cool. You're surfing. I don't even know what surfing. You're walking on water. It's like, Jesus, can I walk on water? And what did Jesus say in response to Peter's re uh, uh, request? Jesus is very cool with that. He was not shy about inviting others to the supernatural miracles that he was performing. And he says, sure. When Peter says, command me to walk, Jesus, and Jesus indeed commands Peter to walk, and Peter just, he's so simple, guys. He keeps it simple. He's like, well, Jesus said I could do it. And he does it. In the, in, the, in the heat of the moment, he gets scared. He falls in, right? Guess what? Jesus scoops him up. How do, you think Je how do you think Peter got back onto the boat? Do you really imagine Jesus dragging? Well, Jesus was not a lifeguard. Jesus was not saving him. Guess what? Peter got to walk on water twice. That's the cool part. That was Peter. In Peter's mind, well... You said it could be done. Then why not me? May you and I have the faith like Peter when Jesus says, when we read about what Jesus said in the scriptures, may we demand, may we have the boldness and the zacity of faith asking Jesus to do the same in our own lives as well. So Peter brings Jesus and they kind of casually bring up, oh, by the way, we have my mother-in-law who's been very sick. And Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And we see and we read that the fever immediately left her. Amazing, right? But this isn't it. And what I want us to focus on today is what comes after this amazing healing miracle. So look at verse 31 with me right here, okay? And he came to her. He raised her up, taking her by the hand. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus, right, taking her by the hand. And immediately upon touching Peter's mother-in-law, the fever had left her. And she waited on them. Read that with me, the last part, the highlighted part. If you read the NIV or the ESV, you would read that phrase is uh, translated as, and she served them. Who's she? Which, which person are we talking about? Peter's mother-in-law. When Jesus touches Peter's mother-in-law, immediately she's better. Immediately she's healthy. Immediately the sickness, whatever that she was dealing with, had left her right away. And it's different when Jesus heals. Jesus heals different than the modern medicine heals. Jesus heals different than the surgeons or the doctors can heal. How many guys know when we go through medicine, when we go through medical treatments, it takes time. But when Jesus performs a miracle, the restoration, empowerment, healing come right away. And I pray that you and I would desire, you and I would begin not stop believing that Jesus indeed does heal even today. When Jesus delivers, it's right away. Amen? FedEx will fail you at times. Doctors will misdiagnose you sometimes. Medicine will kick in days and hours later. Sometimes you wonder, am I ever going to be better? But the way Jesus brings about healing is right away. And we need to have faith and trust in what Jesus can do in our lives. When Jesus heals, 
He not only drives out sickness. He doesn't make you healthy just conditionally. He doesn't just remove the cancer cells. He doesn't just remove and take away the sickness that you have been uh, suffering from. And when Jesus heals, you know what else comes with his healing? When Jesus heals, he also brings empowerment. That's a good place to say amen. When Jesus heals, he not only takes away your sickness, he also gives you the power and the ability to move right away. What's the term? We say zero to hundred, right? And when things happen really fast, I mean, look up, I mean, read right here. When Peter's mother-in-law was healed, she goes from zero to hundred. She goes real quick. Oh man, I am better. There's no, okay, there's no like slowly walking out of her bedroom and, and fixing her robe and, and telling, okay, guys, I'm feeling better. By the way, mommy's not cooking today. We're going to eat out. But thank, thank goodness I'm feeling better. She goes immediately. She felt so strong. And she said, oh, my goodness, I know I am well. And she decides the way that I'm going to express how thankful I am the way I'm going to respond to Jesus' supernatural healing me right now is that I'm going to serve. I'm going to wait on Jesus. You see, what does God heal us for? What does God rescue us for? What does God empower us for? And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that The purpose of our healing, the purpose of our wellness is so that we can be moved into the life of service. Now, last week we talked about the declaration of gratitude is giving thanks. Now, declaration of gratitude also leads to service. Think about it, guys. What does one do? What does one do when you are truly thankful? What does one do? When your heart is filled with, man, I'm so thankful. I really believe the greatest evidence of gratitude is service. You know, I didn't even know. I got saved in 10th grade. 11th grade was like, that's when I really encountered the Holy Spirit. My life, like, changed again. Like, oh, my gosh. And I remember 11th grade. It w- yeah, it was one of those annual retreats. And, and for me, like, I was in the middle. We're in the middle of King's Canyon. Like, 80 of us, we were camping for, like, a whole week. It was the best retreat ever. I remember filled by the love of God, filled by the Spirit of God and the power of the Spirit of God, I remember God I would do anything for you. I feel so thankful that that Jesus has saved me. I remember praying, God, I want to serve you. I was like 16, 17. What did I know about serving God? What did I know? But I remember saying, even as a young man, God, I will do anything for you. And I think that's when I committed to ministry. By second year, I was like fully like committed to full-time vocational ministry. Second year in college. And man, my academically, third and fourth year of college, man, it, those are some tough times. Um, you know, I went to a school that had a quarter system. Every quarter, every 10th week, I'm like praying on my knees. I'm like fasting. God, please allow me to pass these classes. <laughs> my prayers are a little more humble than your prayers, okay? I wasn't praying. I wasn't gunning for like all A's, you know, magna cum stuff. What is that? I don't even know the terms. You know, my stands were different. And I remember 10th uh, week, I would always drive out to Santa Monica Pier, right? And I'll say, God, this conditional prayer, God, if you just let me, if you, if you let me pass these classes, if you let me move on and get all of my units that I attempted, God, I will do anything. That's kind of what we do, right? And, and by the grace of this is wrong application of theology. By the grace of God, when I pass these classes, right, I know that God wasn't, like, threatening me. It's like, hey, man, you better make good on your promises. But I knew in my heart 
because I was so thankful. Right? Do you guys see the correlation here? Well, I was so thankful, God, you allowed me to be where I am. You allowed me to be still be standing right now going on with life. God, in my response of my gratitude, how thankful I am is I'm committing my life to serve you. That's kind, of, that's kind of what it is. I really believe the true demonstration and evidence of gratitude is service. It's this idea of, I can't believe God healed me. I can't believe I have what I have. I can't believe that I am the person that I am. When you give credit to where you are, to God, you can't help but to concede a part of your heart and your life, saying, God, whatever I have, God, I'm going to gladly surrender this onto you. When you are thankful, you can't help but to look for avenues. You can't help but to look for outlets of what you feel inside. There's almost an eruption of, man, I got to do something. Whatever I feel, I got, this has to come out somewhere and somehow. So first is what? You give thanks to God. You attribute all of your blessings and successes to God, the giver of life. And after that, you're moved to, how can I serve? What can I do? Service simply is what? What is serving? What is the definition of serving? You participate in the affairs of other people. You take the responsibility of, or duty of somebody else. Or as a result of your work and commitment, someone else benefits. That is service. Brothers and sisters, as I know that you are thankful people, I know this past Thanksgiving, uh, Thursday night, you all counted your blessings, meaning you all stayed. I don't know if you guys do this in your, but my family, we do this every year. Where every member, young and old, goes around, what are you thankful for? And I love how our uncle puts a minimum on it. He says three. And you can see the panic in the young minds. Like, three things? Oh, my gosh. We don't move on until you say all two, three. Maybe we'll give you discounts, but you have to say at least two. But what, what does it mean? We count the blessings. We count our blessings. We, we are thankful. I'm telling you guys, a gratitude is evidenced in our services for other people. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul declares in his letter to the church in Philippi, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Let me read that again. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Paul is urging the Christians in the church of Philippi, he says, work out your salvation. What does that even mean? He says, he doesn't just say, be thankful for the salvation now you have in Christ Jesus. He says, don't just feel grateful. It's, it's not just a feeling. Whatever that you have, whatever Christ has done, whatever you have received from Christ as a result of his sacrificial work on the cross, he says, now work out your salvation. Another translation, work now, work hard to show the results of your salvation. You see, the power of Christ is at its peak when the people of God fully grasp, fully grasp that their lives that it's not about how much of a blessing we receive from God, but how much of a blessing can I be to the lives of the other people. Paul says, whatever we have received, now work out your salvation. That means serving others, being a blessing to those around you.
Let me now, let's consider the rest of this powerful story in Mark chapter 1. So Jesus had just healed Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law probably cooked up a storm, brought up, brought up wonderful food. So Peter, four of his, uh, three of the uh, disciples, Jesus was there. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law probably fed Jesus really well. Um, Aren't you cur- I'm kind of curious, what did Jesus enjoy? Really? Like, what, did he, what was his favorite food? Do you think he had a favorite food? You guys don't think about it. Anyways, so now they're all fed, all satisfied. Now what's happening? If you read verse 33, uh, uh, 33 of chapter 1, so this is something amazing that happens. The whole city had gathered at the door. Jesus comes. He lays hands on Peter's mother-in-law. Something happens when the sun goes down. All of a sudden, you see all these people gather outside the home of Apostle Peter. Imagine, if you can, for hours on end, people were coming to your home, and Jesus was performing miracle after miracle. Diseases are being cured. Demons are being expelled, and crippled, mangled limbs are being restored. I mean, you see what's happening here? What what Peter's mom or mother-in-law is doing just opened up floodgates of even more miracles. So Jesus's, uh, no, Peter's mother-in-law being healed was just the beginning of many more miracles. Imagine if all these people are flooding into Peter's house. Where are they staying? Are they staying outside the house? Do you really imagine Jesus performing healing miracles outside Peter's home? Where is Jesus praying for people? Where is Jesus laying hands? Guess what? The entire village now are coming into the home, inside the home of Peter. I don't know about you. Well, let me ask. What is, is there in your head, is there a maximum number of guests that you would have in your house? Is there a maximum number of people that you would host for the night? I mean, I need to consult with my boss, but there's definitely a max number of guests that we would have of any given night. Because at a certain point, no, 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 no. This is not a party anymore. I'm not enjoying this anymore. There is a number. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there is, right? Usually that number is anywhere from like eight, maybe even smaller, maybe, okay, six. We'll go real conservative, six to like Max, probably 15. If I say like 11, 12, that's giving you some anxiety right now already. But there's definitely a number. Notice what's happening here. The entire village is now coming to Peter's house. And there's no limit to how many people are coming inside the home of Peter. There's no limit to how many miracles are now Jesus is performing in that house. I think that's something to be noticed here. When you invite Jesus, know that you are also making yourself available. When you invite Jesus into your home, know that your home also needs to be available for Jesus to work in. Your home now, your life now, becomes a conduit of many more miracles, many more healings. So your ordinary home you're run down that you're semi, semi-pleased with, I don't know, also now immediately becomes, this is the epicenter of Jesus' miracles. Do you think Peter or Peter's mother-in-law were annoyed that people were coming over to their house? Do you think they were worried about Furniture being misarranged, people coming in, some people who are not as clean, they smell funny. These are patients too. They're bringing not just themselves, they're bringing all kinds of diseases into their homes. Yet, they made themselves available. 
this is such a cliche, but I think we forget that our greatest ability is availability. When we simply make ourselves available, when we simply say, God, right here, this, this is all I have, but God, I'm willing to share. I'm willing to open up my home. God, I'm willing to make myself available. I'm going to be open, God. That's when Jesus moves. Jesus will bring healing and more. You guys know the story of the paralytic and his four friends. Do you, do you know this story? You remember one paralytic man in his entire life could not walk, could not move on his own. So four best friends of his put him on a pallet, uh, a stretcher, climbs up the side of the house, goes on top, puts a hole in a perfectly fine house, lowers him, and he's healed. Do you know where that story, where in the Bible that story appears? Look no further. Mark chapter 2. Do you know whose house these guys climbed and put a hole in a perfectly fine house just to get to Jesus? There's a minor debate. It's a minor debate because most scholars agree that that took place in the home of Apostle Peter. Isn't that amazing? Peter and his family not only opened up his doors, allowing sick people to enter their home. One of the most prominent miracles to even, <laughs> I don't think they let, it's not fair to say they let them put a hole, right? Whatever, they, that happened. That happened. Peter had to catch extra fish. Because there was a renovation that they did not plan in a budget meeting the year before. Their, literally, their home literally got destroyed because people in need came over. <laughs> I can't even say this. How many guys would risk losing a roof of your own home? <laughs> that someone needy can come that Jesus could perform his work. Maybe that's a far stretch. Maybe we're not risk. We're, we're too risk averse. God, that's that's bad move. That's bad decision right now. God, you can't. Let's, let's look for an alternative way. But how many of you guys are willing to put a hole in your schedule? How many guys are willing to open up your time. How many guys are open, ready to put a bigger hole in your wallet if that means Jesus can come, the sick can be healed, a needy can be ministered to, Jesus can use you as you make yourself available. Amen? On a Sunday after Thanksgiving, right, it's just been three days. And I know, I know you guys, I know me. We are definitely less thankful than we were Thursday night. <laughs> I know. And, and I really personally, as a pastor and Christian, I really hate that the season of Thanksgiving leads to the biggest, like, shopping spree of the entire year. I, that bothers me a lot. Do you know why it's called Black Friday? Because these merchants and the, the companies, the, whatever, these retail businesses, throughout the year, whenever, if ever they were in the red, on that single day, they're now all of a sudden in the black. They make that much money. I think the numbers, like, I, I did some research, like 68 billions on a single day of shopping and spending in America. That's a lot of money. My brain can fathom 
But I, but I hate that, that Thanksgiving immediately is demonstrated in the way that we spend. We spend for what? Probably on ourselves. You know? Some of you guys are like waiting to go home tonight, be on your computer at 12 a.m. Cyber Monday is coming. You got your shopping carts lined up, queued up, right? And I'm, I'm, I, I get it. I, we want to be like savvy shoppers too. But I, but I hate that what it's become. And I, I long for the season of Thanksgiving to be leading to more serving opportunities. I pray this past week, God, would you open up doors, Lord? And, you know, like Rooftop, for the past three years, we have not really been involved in missions or, or outreach endeavors. And for me, I say, God, like there has to be, a, a make us, a give us an opportunity where we can be a blessing to those around us. Open up doors for mission opportunities. God, we want to go overseas. God, we want to hold hands of orphans. God, we want to be a ble- God, we want to minister to those that are not living with hope that is in Christ Jesus somehow. And I know I love that you guys have done an amazing job preparing 50 gift boxes for Operation Christmas Child. And I pray that Rooftop going forward would continue to enjoy this season as we are being a blessing to those around us. And living out, we are blessed to bless. God, thank you. And God, now we go out and serve others. So my charge to you today is invite Jesus into your home. Acknowledge Jesus in your midst and invite others to your home. Would you do that? Would you give that a try? No, really try it. Invite others to your home. You can start with the church members. If that's too daunting, start with me. I'm a good guest. But try to invite others into your home and begin to exercise talking, serving, loving as Jesus Christ is in our midst. Invite Jesus into your home. Invite others into your home and invite Jesus to your work as well. I think this part is a little bit easy for me because I work right here. But I, I, I know that many of you guys, if not all of you, this is a quite the challenge where we, we compartmentalize our work life and our faith life. My challenge to you this week is not, not only invite Jesus to your home, but also invite Jesus into your workplaces. Would your coworkers, would your colleagues understand that you're a person of faith? In the way that you speak, oh, some of you guys have been undercover for too long. It don't make no sense. Would you acknowledge your faith in Jesus in your workplaces as well? Amen. For those of you guys that work remotely and your Zoom meetings, I don't know, put a, invite Jesus into your Zoom background. (laughs) You know, show up with the, Cross neck, I invite Jesus into your workplaces. And what does that mean? Move with compassion and move onto service. I'm going to just really make, break it down very simply for you. Three places. Invite Jesus into your relationships. How can you be a blessing into those that, onto those that are in relationship with? Remember, serving them. Gratitude leads to serving, Right? Look for ways to serving those that you are in relationship with. Friends, church members, family members. Be available. Listen to them. Buy them coffee. Buy them lunch. Nourish them physically, spiritually. Promise to pray for them this week. You'll be surprised that no one, no one will deny your offer to prayer for that person. I've done this to everybody, non-Christians, hardest guys, and people on the streets, because it's, 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 in, it's innate for human beings to never decline or push away when someone says, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bring blessings from God. 
No one says no. Try it. Pray for them, but be a blessing to them. Also invite Jesus. Serve at home as well. That means if you're, if you're not the main person that cooks, if you're not the main person who does a kitchen work, you can offer to that this week. You could do the dishes. You could offer to take out the trash. You could offer to vacuum. You could offer to organize the countertop that's been messy for the last two decades. I'm just exaggerating. Offer to serve. Make yourself available. Instead of resting more, instead of catching one more uh, uh, football game, offer. Make yourself available. Honey, what can I do for you? Those are some godly words. Those are supernatural words. Honey, what can I do? How can I serve? Say, you know what? Some of you men, let me say this. Flex this week. Say, honey, how can I serve you? You will see the twinkles in your wife's eyes. You will find yourself floating. (laughs) Try that. How can I serve you? At church as well. Imagine you come to church because you're so thankful for what God has done in your life. You're so thankful. You, you are who you are because of what God has done. Now you come, you bring that gratitude church. What is your next, next response? Oof, how can I serve the church? Some of you are thinking, oh, Scott, this is what you were prepping for today. You should have the same attitude. Out of the gratitude that you have, your attitude should be, how can I serve the church? Guys, I've been saying this for the past two months. We are really in need in this season. All of our ministry teams, most of our ministry teams are experiencing shortage of the rotation, right? Uh, some, of the long, uh, some of the ministry team leaders that have served for many, many years are now entering into a season of rest. Guess what? Church volunteerism is a system of love and trust. It's when everyone works together and there's an equal buy-in. Guys, we go through seasons where I can't give as much, but we also enter seasons where we can give more than what we were able to. It's a, it's, a, it's a system of trust that we're leaning on you guys. In case that you're not yet a, a part of a serving rotation anywhere. Maybe you had been on a leave because of family situations. We are waiting for you. Would you serve it? And let's give a break for those that have been on rotation for quite some time. And I know that when we do, we're eager to serve. We experience the fellowship. We experience the love of God. We experience what God is doing in our midst. Inciting more people to hop on board. And may we see that happening as well. Work so that someone else can worship better. Amen? All right. Um, Let's get the worship team or or Daniel and Sasha up here to the front. Um, And I really pray that we are not only a church that don't take things for granted, We're a grateful people. We're a thankful people. And we understand that what we have is because what God has given to us. So we give thanks. But I challenge and encourage all of us today that we take one step further, that we also become a church that serves, that our greatest delight is knowing that we are being used and all that we have are being expended for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer at this time? And before I pray and before we move to giving offerings to the Lord, just take a moment Simply ask, God, where can I be of service? 
ask this question. God, where are you leading me to serve? It could be anywhere. It could be work, family, church, relationships, even your workplaces. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us, God. God, we want to be not only hearers of the word, but God, we want to be faithful doers of your word. God, we are so grateful. God, we are eternally thankful for what you have done in our lives. God, that you have rescued us. You have pulled us out of the pit of sin. God, our lives were, were destined for full of nothingness, Lord. Just absolute fertility. God, we were going to be lost in our own sins, God. We were going to live our lives in selfishness and pursuit of just temporal things. So God, we are thankful that we were able to meet you. We are thankful that you have rescued us, that you have saved us. And we now live with the hope of eternity. We are thankful that we have this loving church where we come and worship you freely. God, there's genuine fellowship, there's love, there's ministry, there's service happening everywhere. And God, as we lead into this next season, would you show us, would you teach us, would you make us to become available for your service? And we dare pray, would you use us? We dare pray, would you send us into places of need? so that we may be conduits of your loving grace. God, we want to make an impact wherever we are. God, we want to be impact players. God, we want to make a difference wherever we are, God. Holy Spirit, we continue to open ourselves up so that you may work in us, that in turn, we may do everything for your power.